like we haven't been here for like 2.5 months. Does anyone else feel like that? I feel like it's been ages. So you guys can have a seat. I'm thrilled that you are here tonight. And we are starting a brand new series. And honestly, this series was really interesting for me. First of all, I'd like to shout out Amzie. Amzie had this series on his heart, and when I got into it, I was super excited about it. And I also want to tell you that this series kind of came out of Dr. Hattaball's message during the Word and Spirit Conference. So that is on the Michael Jacobs Ministries podcast. If you just want to do a little extracurricular listening this week, that'd be a great place to start. But tonight we are talking... Sorry, guys, doing that in my mask got me all wound up. Okay, <laughs> tonight we're talking about fellowship with the Father. And honestly, my brain wanted to come up with like a more fun or cool title for this, and I just felt like I wasn't supposed to because we're talking about fellowship with our Father. And I'll get into exactly what that means tonight. But my experience this year has really been kind of what this whole message has been about. We know that we came into this year, had super high hopes, and then a couple of months in, we couldn't go to school, we couldn't go to work, we couldn't go to church, we cannot go anywhere. And I might not be the only one in the room who had this experience when I really found myself at home, alone, with not a lot going on. I was really just kind of drawn back to the fact of like, you know what? Everything that life kind of seems like it is about has been taken away from me right now. And in this moment, it's me and it's God. And to be super honest with you, uh, when I found myself there, there were some aspects of my relationship with God that I was a little embarrassed about. When I examined them, they weren't as strong as I thought they were. Because when my life is busy and there's a lot of activity and a lot of noise and a lot of voices, it's easy for me to tell myself my relationship with God is good. Like things are going great. I got a lot of stuff happening. God's speaking to me. We're doing cool stuff at church. Great things are happening at my job. But when all of that was taken away, I found myself feeling just a bit awkward. Or maybe going to pray and being like, hmm, this is not as, like, fun as usual. <laughs> you know, I'm not really hearing God's voice that much. I know that's not his fault. This is on me, so what's going on here? And I had allowed some of life's busyness to take away from the fact that I was not contributing what I should to my fellowship with God. And when I really examined it, I could see the areas of my life were suffering. I was having some really intense anxiety that I hadn't had in a while. I just let it show up, and I didn't really question it a whole lot. But then I sat down and said, well, you know what? I know where this came from, and I know why it came. I've been distracted. So tonight I want to talk about fellowship with the Father and really boiling everything down to what we are called to do. And I want to talk about your calling for a second. And I've talked about this like 17 million times at the quarry because I love to talk about your calling. But I think what's really cool in this series is that we're going to be really reminded of what that actually means. Because you're worried about your calling. I'm worried about my calling. Uh, most adults that I talk to are still trying to figure out what they're called to do. And really, the whole world is obsessed with what they're called to do, even if they don't know how to verbalize it like that. They might not say it in Bible terms, but everyone wants to know, why am I here, right? What is my purpose? What is my passion? What do I need to do? Uh, what's going to fulfill me in life? So we're going to take a close look at that calling tonight because... I think a lot of us in this room, myself included, we spend a whole lot of time thinking about our calling and praying about our calling and talking to other people about our calling and seeking direction about our calling. 
And I've preached that, like I said, a million times, but I think we're really, really missing something that is so obvious. So in a second, we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians 1.9. We're going to read this together, and I'm going to tell you what every single one of you in this room is called to do. Are you ready? Okay, make sure you write it down. 1 Corinthians 1.9 in the Amplified Version says, God is faithful. He is reliable, trustworthy, and ever true to his promise. He can be depended on, and through him you were called, are you ready? You were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the calling of every single person in this room and on this planet is to fellowship with God. And I think if I said that to you in a one-on-one setting, many of you would say something like this. Yes, I know, but like, what am I called to do? You're called to fellowship with God. And you would say, yeah, I know, but like, how am I called to help people? You're called to fellowship with God. And out of that, you'll be able to help people. And people will say, I know, but like, you know, what am I supposed to do every day? Like, what does that look like? It looks like fellowshipping with God. And I think that answer would disappoint a lot of you. And trust me, at times in my life, that answer would have disappointed me too. If I made a counseling appointment with leaders in my church and said, I just need direction on my call. If they looked at me and said, fellowship with God, in my mind, I'd be thinking, yeah, that's not what I came for. That's not what I mean. You don't understand. Like my calling, my, you know, what I'm called to do fellowship with God. And I think you can see where I'm trying to illustrate we've gotten it wrong. And I'm talking about me included. When I usually think of calling, uh, I think of you guys and I think of different areas where I'm able to serve in my church. But really, that's not my highest calling. That will come out of my calling, but my calling is fellowship with God. And like I said, that answer I think would disappoint a lot of people, and that's because it's so simple. We're always looking for, like, the key to things, right? Ten secrets for this, five habits that'll do this, three ways to do this, seven ways to ease this. We're, I mean, I look at those on social media, like, all day long. They catch my eye always. But we're always looking for, for something that we don't know, something new to try, uh, something that'll fix everything. And I think we need to come back to what's fundamental and say, listen, when it comes to calling, I am called to fellowship with God. That is my highest calling, and in fact, if I don't fulfill that calling, I will not be any good at all the other things that I think are my calling. They're not going to work. I will not be able to help you. I will not be able to minister to anyone. I will not be able to uh, effectively encourage anyone because all of that comes out of my calling, which is fellowship with the Father. And I think that a lot of us know that we need to do this, but it's not always exciting, and it's not new. But I think most of us are guilty of not honoring that as we should. To be super frank with you, I'm able to choose what I'm excited about, right? I, Morgan Ellen Cook, can control my own attitude. My attitude, my emotions, they're mine. They're not yours, they're mine. And I'm a grown person, and I can get them in line if I need to. And so can you. We can choose what we're excited about. And I think many of us will be a lot more excited to fulfill our call to fellowship with God if we begin to really see and honor exactly what a privilege that is. And I want to highlight tonight and say to you that you were not created to do things for God. You were created for God. Not to do things for him. You were created for him. Now, will you do things for him? 
Yes, if your fellowship with him is right. But you weren't created to do things for God. You were just created for God. And the Bible makes it really clear we are not servants. We are sons. God has made us sons. And this is going to sound kind of funny to say, but I was thinking about this. Why do people have children? Tons of reasons. But I have never heard anyone say, I just needed some extra help around the house. Kids are terrible at that, actually. I've never heard anyone say, you know, I just needed some more employees for my company, so we decided to have about five kids, and I think we'll be staffed appropriately at that point, right? That's not why people have kids. People have kids to love them and build a life with them. And likewise, we're God's kids. He didn't create us to work for him. We're not his employees. We will do things for him and we will serve him, but that is not our calling. Our calling and our creation was to be children, to be in his family, to be loved by him and to live in him. People have children to build a life with, and likewise, God created you to build a life with you. That's why we're here. That's what we've been created to do. And I want to take a look at this word fellowship. I picked kind of an old-fashioned churchy word in, in, on purpose because it's in the Bible a lot, right? Sometimes we're trying to just update these words. But can I share a Greek word with you guys? Okay, I will. Fellowship, many times, most of the times that it's used in the New Testament, is a word called koinonia, I think. Koinonia, it looks like that. I'll text it to you later if you're really interested. <laughs> but this word is from the Greek language, obviously, New Testament, and it refers to concepts such as communion or fellowship, joint participation, uh, the share which one has in anything, a gift jointly contributed, a collection, or a contribution. But the part I want to focus on here says a joint participation. God wants to have joint participation in your life. He created you to build a life with you and participate in your life. You were not created to live apart from him and without his daily contribution to your life. And you'll never be able to walk out the things that are in your heart without his contribution to your life. That's why we've got to start here at square one because I will just be completely ineffective in any other part of my calling if I don't start with what I'm truly called to, my highest calling and who I was created to be, which is someone who fellowships with God. So I want to look in Acts chapter 17. This is going to be a big uh, foundational verse. We'll hang out in the rest of the night. And in verse 24 through 28, you can just write that down. I'm going to read it. It's a little bit of a long passage, but I like it. And he says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and he does not live in temples built by human hands. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And if we skip down to verse 27, it says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far away from any one of us. Here's the part I want to focus on in verse 28. For in him, we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So this is what I want to take a look at tonight. In light of fellowshipping with the Father, this verse tells us we've been brought into God's family so that in him we can live and move and have our being. And I want to take a look at what that verse means tonight for us. So number one, live. We are called to live with God and live 
in God. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7, it says, God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. So we're to live in God, and literally without God, we wouldn't even be alive. We'd be dead spiritually and eventually physically. Then it would really be a done deal. But it says, God, uh, because of his great love and mercy, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So I want to say to you tonight, you were created to live your life through God and in God. And I want you to think for a moment super practically. What are the things that you need to live? Food. Duh. <laughs> Funnest one. Water. Air. Sleep, which I know you can go like a little while without sleep, but I really can't. So sleep. And if we think about these things, the thing that they all have in common is that we have got to have them like every day, all the time. Literally air, every day, all the time. For some of us, food, literally every day, all the time. Water, every day, all the time. Sleep, you know, seven to eight hours. But still, these things are absolute daily necessities. Without them, you cannot function. You cannot live. When we think of the things that give us life, there are things that must be done absolutely daily. And if I'm truly going to live in God and live through God, my fellowship with him has to be daily. And I want to say this to you in a way to hopefully shift your perspective because I struggle with this too. I am super um, task-driven and results-oriented, and I just want you to tell me what to do so I can do it, and then you can say, good job. It's simple. I don't really want to be in charge. I want to be told what to do so I know exactly what I'm supposed to do, and then I can know when I'm done. Does anybody else like a little bit like that? Yeah, so we've got to understand, though, that's not how God works, and I really struggle with not making that kind of a checklist not in a real legalistic way, but that's how my mind works. So I want to say, okay, I know I'm supposed to spend time with God every day. So I get really optimistic, and I'm like, I'm going to get up at about 5.15 this morning. That will give me a good 45 minutes, and then I'll move on with the rest of my day. Sometimes it does happen. Other times it does not happen, and I work it in later in the day. But my point is that sometimes we automatically go to trying to fit this in our schedule, and it becomes a stressful thing. Or if you're like me, there is resulting guilt when you do not get up at 5.15 and you sleep until 6.30. Then you really got to hustle and eat your oatmeal in the car. And you're just, you get to work and you're like, oh, I blew it, Lord. I was supposed to talk to you this morning and I didn't that much. Right? Anybody have been there? I struggle with guilt real bad. And when I'm dealing with those feelings, I have to stop myself and say, you are looking at this the wrong way. And I'm trying to shift my own perspective to look at my daily fellowship with God like I do my mealtimes. Those are the best parts of my day. You guys know at school, the best part of the whole day is when, besides when you leave, I know that, but lunch, duh. Like 45 minutes before lunch, you're feeling like you can barely survive. At least this is me at work. My stomach starts talking. My head starts hurting. My body acts like it hasn't eaten in days, even though it just ate three hours ago. Like when you know food is coming and you know lunch is almost here, your body starts to react. Why? Because that's a really exciting part of the day. Uh, my favorite thing to do for my birthday is just eat something really good. You don't have to get me a gift. We don't need to do anything big. Let's just eat something good, something greasy. Maybe the Waffle House, something like that. Food is like a highlight, right? 
Now, sometimes I need to shift my perspective and look at food in a healthier way, but we're not talking about that tonight. So my point is what I'm trying to do really with my relationship with God is look at it like I do food because I need food, got to have it, but food's not really a chore for me. Food's pretty fun for me because when I eat, I feel great. And here's what I've got to remember. When I fellowship with God, I feel great. I feel great. It is good, and I'm so happy I did it. So I'm shifting my own perspective and not looking at it as a checklist, but saying, hey, you know what the best part of my day is going to be? Fellowshipping with God. Maybe it's going to happen at 5.15 a.m. Maybe it's going to happen at 5.15 p.m. We'll see how this day goes. But it's going to happen, and I'm going to make time for it because just like I won't skip a meal because I love to eat and I have a good time and I feel good after I do it, I'm not going to skip my time with God because I love it and I feel good after I do it. So shift your perspective. This is not something we have to do. This is a fun part of our day. Not only does it feel good, but there are great benefits from it, right? This is the highlight of my day, so I'm going to make sure that I get to it because this is something I I need to live. If I really want to live, I've got to have that fellowship with God. I've got to have that time with him daily. And I really personally am working to get in a place where I just can't hardly stand a day where I don't get to crack open my Bible, right? I'm, I'm great at praying. I'm getting better at being super diligent in like study and reading. There are times in my life where I've been really strong in that. There have been times in my life where I haven't been really strong with that. And that's okay. There's grace for us all. But I want to be so excited about that and looking forward to that just like I do like a good meal. Something I've got to have every day. So we are called to Live in God every day, not once a week, not twice a week, not a little bit on the weekends, but every single day. So number one, let's live in him. Number two, let's move in him. And I love this. This is in Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 through 17. And this is a little story. It says, one day Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You've told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If this is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your way so may I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. And God spoke back to Moses and he said, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. And Moses said, this is the part I want to focus on, if you don't personally go with us, don't make me leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people in the earth. And the Lord replied to Moses and said, I will indeed do what you've asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. So what was Moses saying? He said, God, I don't want to go unless you're going to go with me. I don't want to move unless you're moving with me. God, if you're not in it, then I don't want it because I don't want to move unless you want to move. And I think here we can see Moses was demonstrating a level of really close, intimate friendship with God, right? You know that person. If you're going to be going to something and you're feeling nervous about it or if you have to give like a speech in class at school, you know who your BFF is that you're going to look at the whole time because you're like, I can't do this without you. Just smile. You know, give me some hand gestures if I'm doing bad. Do something. Give me signals. So I got to have you. We got to do this together. I'm not doing this alone. 
that comes because they're your best friend, right? That's your person. You do that for them. They do that for you. But I see Moses had this kind of relationship with God where he said, God, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. <laughs> I'm not doing this without you. I can't. I'm not going to move. If you move, I move. If you stay, I stay. I'm not doing this without you, God. He wasn't serving his own interests. And this is where a lot of people, including Christians, miss it. When you're including God in your life every day, he's going to have a say in how you move. And too many people are just moving and then trying to get God to participate in something that he never told them to do. He's got a better plan. He's got a better move for you to make. But if you move uh, based on your own plan and your own ideas, God will help you as much as he can. But it's going to be way below what you could experience if you really went to him and said, okay, God, what's my next move? What do I need to do? I've got all these opportunities. You guys We'll be given so many opportunities in the next few years, maybe with schools and with jobs and, and places to live and all kinds of stuff. Instead of looking at those and choosing out of your own mind, I want to encourage you to go to God. When your fellowship with him is right, you're going to go to him and say, God, there's a lot of opportunities that have been given to me, but if you're not in it, I don't want it. Where are you moving? Because that's what I want to move. I'm not moving through this door if you're not in that room. I'm not going without you, God. And when I do that, listen, you not only set yourself up for success, but fulfillment. Fulfillment. I've gotten old enough where I have realized every opportunity, even good opportunities, will leave you feeling empty and super frustrated if God's not in it. Super frustrated. Doesn't mean there was anything wrong with that job or that person or that situation that you were involved with. It could have been just fine. But on the inside, when you lay down at night, you will be frustrated and irritated if God is not in it. So just like Moses said, God, I'm not moving without you. He was fully dependent on going where God was. That's how I want to be too. We're called to move with God, move in him. And I want to ask you, do you live your daily life seeking to move with God? Or are you just moving and hoping God's tagging along? I'm asking myself this too. Am I waking up every day saying, God, what do I need to do today? Where should I move today? How should I move today? Should I move at all today? <laughs> Maybe right now I just need to stand still. If you're going, I'll go. But if you're staying, I'll stay, God, because we are called not only to live in him, but to move with him. And again, this comes from our fellowship with him. We've got to fellowship with him if we expect to be able to move with him. You've got to know what his voice sounds like to know when he speaks to you to move. So we live in him, but we move in him. And just like Moses refused to move without God, he experienced an intimate, genuine love with his father through fellowship. So he wasn't interested in doing anything apart from God. And that's where I want to get. Right now, sometimes my mind is still torn and it's like, ah, I really feel like I want to do that, but I know God's not telling me to. I'm working to get to a place where I can say, nope, God's not in it. I don't want it because <laughs> I know it's not the best. I know it's not going to fulfill me. I know it's going to frustrate me. So I have to remind my own self of these things at times. But just like Moses said that, we are also called to move in God and move with God. So in him we live, in him we move, and thirdly, in him we have our being. And if you look at some other translations, you can see that having our being really means having our identity, having our identity. And this has been something that's been really interesting for me to kind of get older and sort out because when I was growing up, if you had asked me, 
I would have said that I was a really confident, secure person. I don't think I really came across insecure. Older, wiser people knew that I was. But I don't think my friends would have ever described me as, like, insecure or timid or anything like that. I grew up thinking that I was extremely confident. But the reality was that I was extremely fearful, and I was extremely people-pleasing and wanted everyone to like me (laughs) and just projected, you know, confidence. But because I didn't really have a full awareness of my identity in God, I was really insecure. And if we look here in Psalms 139.14, David tells us, he says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So he's making a really big statement here about his identity and who he is. And I don't think many of us in this room, if we went to describe ourselves, would initially say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's a super nice thing to say. And the truth is that most people don't feel that way about themselves. Here's why. They're looking to their own self to create their identity when really when we fellowship with God the right way and every day and live and move in him, he's going to be able to reveal our identity to us. And I see that when David says this. He didn't look at himself and describe himself that way. He was saying what God said about him. I am fearfully and wonderfully made for everything you make is good. That's not a statement that comes from man. That's a calling that comes from God. That's an identity from his father. And I know that he knew that because he walked with God and he fellowshiped with him daily. And because of that, he knew his identity and he was able to declare it really boldly. That's the only way he could say say that about himself. And so our identity comes out of our fellowship with God. And if I don't spend enough time to allow God to deposit my identity in me, I will be very insecure. I might not look insecure. I might not even sound insecure. In fact, I might come across as arrogant because that was what I tended to do to cover up my insecurity was to be a little arrogant and think, you know, act like I was the stuff, even though I didn't really think that on the inside. But if I spend enough time with God to allow him to bring me my identity, will be secure. And in that security will also be humility and kindness and none of that arrogance of false identity that I struggled with growing up. In him we live and move and we have our identity. And you've got to spend time with God to allow him to tell you who you are. Too many times we're letting the culture tell us who we are, which right now, listen, the culture is really telling you Uh, that you're a product of trauma. God has gotten on to me about this lately or to say, you are anxious. You are depressed. Remember those Instagram things I was talking about earlier? Seven signs uh, that you have, you're experiencing the effects of trauma. Eight things to do to calm your anxiety. You know, five things to do when you feel depressed. And I understand that those things are coming from a right place, But I was starting to look at some of those, and it would kind of upset me because I'm reading a list of seven things that are a result of trauma, and I'm like, hold on, I got five of these. What's going on? (laughs) Whoa, like, am I in worse shape than I thought? Lord, have there been traumatic events in my life? Is that why I struggle with anxiety? What's what's going on? And the Holy Ghost got onto me and said, stop identifying with that. That's not who you are. No matter what's happened to you or how you feel or what symptoms you may have in your life, you are not a product of trauma. You are not depressed. You are not anxious. You may have those things trying to come in your life right now, but you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are whole and healed. You are free 
free. Jesus died to make us that. And it is shameful for me to settle for something so much less and act like God is not moving in my life. It's true maybe he is bringing healing to me in areas. And maybe he is helping me overcome depression and anxiety. But I'm not going to identify with that. And right now our culture is telling us things like that. You are this. You struggle with this. You have a hard time with this. You need to be easy on yourself because X, Y, Z. And listen for a second. That's not who God made you to be. And I don't want to pick up that identity. I want to live and move in him and have my identity in him. And that comes through fellowshipping with him. If I'm not fellowshipping with him, I will listen to social media tell me those things. I'll listen to my friends tell me those things, you know. I'll listen to my own mind cutting myself down, you know, thinking just lowly of myself or thinking terrible things, you know. Like I said, it's kind of interesting to read David saying that because most of us don't feel that way about ourselves, right? We don't. But God has said, no, come to me for your identity, and that's going to make you secure, and that'll allow you to walk in healing, and that'll allow you to be whole and to overcome these issues. Our identity comes through spending time with him. And the thing about insecure people is they don't know who they are. And if you don't know who you are, you will act like someone you're not. Like I said about myself, I struggled. I tried to overcome my anxiety by acting really confident. And sometimes I did that by putting other people down or acting like I was better or saying something not so nice to you to feel a little bit better about me. What was that? That was insecurity. None of us in this room are created to be mean. None of us are created to be rude. Uh, But when you don't know who you are, you'll pick up traits of somebody you're not. And that's what I was doing. I'm not excusing my behavior uh, at all. But that was all coming from a place of insecurity because I didn't know who I was and I didn't get my identity from God. I was just looking at myself. (laughs) And when I looked at myself, I did not like what I saw. So it manifested in in these different ways of arrogance or, or just rudeness or being critical and things like that. Insecure people do not know who they are. You might be acting anxious, but it's really because you don't know who you are. You might be acting mean, but it's really because you don't know who you are. Go to God. When we fellowship with him every day, we live in him, we move in him, and we have our identity in him. And that will make us the most confident and kind and humble people. I don't know if you could hear that burp. I just said, excuse me if you could. I've been holding it back for like 10 minutes. It's all good. But when we really walk in who God created us to be, and I know that uh, he is happy with me and he loves me just as I am, I am able to be so confident and so kind. And that's the goal. I'm not there yet, but I'm really, really working on it because I want to be super kind. So in him we live, in him we move, and in him we have our identity. And as we close tonight, we're going to look at Acts 17 again. And this time I'm going to read it from the message, and then we're going to get into it a little bit more next week because I am so excited. I hope that I am effectively uh, just stirring you up to say, like, hey, a relationship with God is not boring. Let's just go back to the basic, simple things. That was me in March when I was home by myself. I cried a lot listening to worship music and just said, God, I've been... I've been so distracted, man. I was just missing it. This is what it's about. It's really not about me standing up here preaching, and it's really not about me uh, singing. No one's ever asked me to sing, but if they did, it wouldn't be about that. (laughs) You can laugh. (laughs) It's really just about me 
and God. And again, sometimes uh, that's, that disappoints people because it's so simple and they want something more like a 10-step plan. I don't know. But if we really just go back to the basics, we will see like, man, this is what we are created for. And there is so much joy and so much peace in that. So we'll dig into this more next week. But in closing here, Acts chapter 17, in the message, it says, God who made the world and everything in it, this master of sky and land doesn't live in custom-made shrines or need the human race to run errands for him because we're not his servants, we're his sons. As if he couldn't take care of himself. He makes the creatures. The creatures don't make him. Starting from scratch, he made the entire human race and made the earth hospitable with plenty of time and space for living so we could seek after God and not just grope around in the dark but actually find him. He doesn't play hide-and-seek with us. He's not remote. He's near. We live and move in him and can't get away from him. One of your poets said it well, we're the God created. So I just want to encourage you tonight as we're closing that your highest calling, your best calling, and your primary calling are fellowship with God. And don't look down on that. There is so much power in that, and there is so much peace in that, and so much security. If we really can learn to live and move and have our identity in him, Life will be so easy. It doesn't mean that difficult things won't happen or uh, challenges won't come our way. But somebody who truly is fellowshipping with God and walking in their highest calling is not shaken by that stuff, is not moved by that stuff. Because when you develop that kind of closeness with God, nothing can come against you, right? If God is for us, who can be against us? So please join me in being excited this week to spend time with God. Don't allow yourself to feel guilty about it or feel obligated to do it. Find a time and a way that works for you, but go into it as something that you enjoy and realize that whether you feel like it or not or whether you, uh, you know, feel like it was like a good quality time, we don't even need to get into that about myself. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I read my Bible, but was it good enough? It doesn't matter. It's not about that. It's about fellowshipping with God. And when I'm able to do that and get into that daily, I can live and I can move and I can have my identity in him. Does that make sense? Okay. I love you guys so much. I was so excited to be back here with you tonight. Sorry for the burp and I'm sorry for all the panting. I knew I was going to get excited and it was going to be a little wild, but we do have a treat for you. We have some new friends. First of all, we're thrilled you guys are here, but also they brought hot chocolate and cookies. So I love new friends, but I love new friends with food even more. So thank you guys so much for doing that. And if you all uh, will be dismissed, you guys can go back into the small fellowship hall and we can have some snacks together, some winter snacks. Sound good? Okay. Also, sorry about you guys on crutches. I just feel really bad for you, and I'm not joking, and I'm praying for you, because one time I had to use crutches, and it just wasn't pretty. So love you guys. Let's go have some hot chocolate and cookies.